Alright, alright. What's up y'all? Welcome Marion G. Freddy Freddy. Miss T. The lovely Miss Lemons. Thank you guys for making it out. Secret Squirrel. Miss Head in the house. Thank you guys for making it out. I was off uh, last week. I had the old coronavirus. It was my second time getting it, and it was a lot milder this time around. And uh, <laughs> still a little bit stuffy, so I or I apologize if the voice sounds a little messed up, but. We're good. Second time was a lot easier than the first time. So we are here. We're ready to rock once again. Thank you guys for making it out. Uh, if you are listening in Rockfin, thank you guys for making it out. If you want to catch the show live, please subscribe to the Rockfin account. And uh, if you want the audio version, make sure you check it out on your favorite podcast player. Much love, everyone. All right. This is. Weezy's Weekend Wind-Up, where we cover some of the headlines of the week. And um, a lot of interesting stuff happened. I've been balls deep, if you will, in the whole FTX Ponzi show. And uh, it's extremely, extremely complicated. I've been reading all kinds of articles. And I feel like I've got a pretty good grasp on it, but there's so much. So I'm going to try to break it down in simple terms. I don't know how much of this news has made it out to uh, across the pond or, you know, outside of the United States, but it's a huge story. And when you really dig into it, it has all the makings for a Hollywood blockbuster. And oddly enough, the mainstream news out here isn't really touching on it too much. Should be the biggest story right now. Uh, it involves corruption in the highest levels, a Ponzi scheme where billions were made, backed by a shit coin that they themselves invented, um, money laundering. Ukraine, the WEF, the World Economic Forum, all involved. Sam uh, Bankman-Fried, or fraud, was the second largest Democratic voter uh, behind George Soros. All the makings for a movie. And it's not getting a lot of coverage. Uh, on Twitter, it is getting quite a bit of coverage. And so that... That has been awesome to see, but uh, it's rather, rather interesting how it's playing out. So if you haven't been following it, uh, if you haven't been following it, I'm going to try to break it down in as simplest terms as I can. And I did find a video that breaks it down in a few minutes. And so I'm going to read some articles. And at the end of the articles, I'm going to play that video so that um, you can you can get a nice little taste of it. But uh, in our first article, well, let's, let's, yeah, it's been difficult to figure out where to start this because it's a huge, huge story. Lots of parts to it. 
and um it's gonna be a challenge but we'll try to break it down here live for you um all right so mr sam bankman freed was someone that believed in effective altruism what is effective altruism which some people call it as ea for short common practices of effective altruists include choosing careers based on the amount of good that the career achieves donating to charities based on maximum impact and earning to give popular cause priorities within ea include global health and development animal welfare and risk to the survival of humanity over the long-term future ea emphasizes impartiality or the global equal consideration of interest when choosing beneficiaries this has broad applications to the prioritization of scientific projects entrepreneurial ventures and policy initiatives is estimated to save the most lives or reduce the most suffering so in a nutshell that's what the definition of effective altruism is and as we go around these stories you're gonna see how it all ties in um, i'm already seeing some mainstream news articles trying to justify this fraudster in uh in saying oh maybe it was effective altruism his downfall and maybe that's what did him in it, it was just because he meant good and he fucked up it's all bullshit um sbf sam bankman fraud or freed still has a twitter and uh he last posted a few days ago and i've been following him following his tweets he got caught out trying to delete tweets because the question a lot of people are asking now is why hasn't this son of a bitch been arrested for this ponzi scheme still running around um there's been other people that uh you know like bernie madoff arrested almost immediately upon people finding out it was a fraud we already know this motherfucker has been scheming and he's in the bahamas hiding out with his concubines and um he's still out and he was tweeting a few days ago and so let's get to it this is from msnbc an opinion piece written by Zishan Alim. The stunning collapse of FTX explained. Alongside the failure of a red wave to materialize in the midterm elections, the other surprising news of last week was the overnight collapse of FTX, the huge and now bankrupt cryptocurrency exchange where people bought and sold crypto assets like Bitcoin and the astonishing disappearance of the wealth in its ultra-rich founder, Sam Bankman-Fried. Crypto has had a rough year with many currencies plummeting in value and exchange platforms collapsing, but FTX had, until last week, seemed like an exception, both in his stability and in Bankman-Fried's reputation as an honest player. But after reporting alleging uh, that Bankman Freed had covertly and inappropriately used funds from FTX customers to make risky bets for a hedge fund he also ran. A huge number of customers rushed to withdraw their money from platform quickly, causing the exchange to implode. 
A great deal of the buzz surrounding this massive vanishing of wealth is tied up in Bankman Freed's public persona. He had accumulated a fortune of over 20 billion by the age of 30 and was predicted to be the world's next trillionaire because of his financial wizardry in the crypto space. He also earned countless glowing profiles and admiration from the public for his alleged commitment to giving away his fortune and effective altruism. A hotly debated and, in my view, highly questionable moral philosophy that calls on people to think rigorously about maximizing human welfare through often counterintuitive modes of philanthropy. How many times have we seen these scumbags do their shady ass deeds under the guise of philanthropy? Bill Gates, Jeff Epstein, Bill Clinton, all these goddamn clowns. It's always, it's always this philanthropy. Those narratives have now crumbled and been instantly replaced with that of a reckless gambler willing to take other people's money to get his fix. To better understand the complex story of how we got here, I reached out to a leading critic of the cryptocurrency uh, currency industry, Stephen Deal, co-founder of the Center for Emer Emerging Technology Policy and co-author of the new book, Popping the Crypto Bubble. We discussed what exactly went wrong with FTX, why people fell for Bankman Freed's shady practices, and how this collapse is going to rattle the already beleaguered crypto world. Uh, and the article goes on with a little conversation. Let's see how far we can go, because I've got a few more articles and I don't want to waste too much time. Um, Z Shan Alim. What was FTX and how did it make money? Stephen Deal responds, FTX was a cryptocurrency exchange. It's a website where you can create an account, show up with your credit card or your bank account and use it to buy crypto assets. Crypto assets are effectively digital financial assets, which people buy and they speculate on. In some ways, it looks a lot like a traditional brokerage, like a Fidelity or Charles Schwab or Robinhood. But crypto exchanges don't trade regulated financial products like socks. Stocks or bonds, they trade unregulated financial assets, which are crypto tokens. And those tokens are not subject to the same level of regulation as most of the products on the market. A lot of the problems that arose out of the recent catastrophe are due to the lack of regulation of these products. So this agenda right here is, you can already see it. He's pushing for regulation of cryptocurrencies. And that is another thing that I'm noticing. So this guy was a fraud, no fucking question, but it's already, I'm already seeing they're trying to paint with broad strokes that this is a whole program. And the ironic part of, about it is, you know, they're, they're slamming for this guy, rightfully so, I'm not disputing it, that he basically was using money and he was making his own money out of nothing. That's essentially what the u.s dollar system and federal reserve system is so it's pretty fucking ironic to hear all these clowns bring this up when if you do research into the federal reserve that's exactly what that is it's supposed to be go backed up by gold bars and and tablets and instead it's backed by gold certificates but that's another discussion for another day um but yeah i just something that i Truly, truly ironic. Uh, why was FTX's reputation different from competitors? 
deal responds. FTX fancied itself as a respectable platform. They really wanted to be perceived as being like a safe place to put your money and as more reputable. They're in a space, the cryptocurrency space, where a lot of these platforms have no pretense toward being respectable. They are set up in offshore tax shelters, usually in the Caribbean, and they often have very shady reputations about them. So you can see the slant. So if you want to read the article I gave you um, at the very beginning of this, where to find it. Uh, but you can see the, the slant to this already. Um, all right. This is another article by Hillary Hoffower from Fortune Magazine. Uh, St. Bankman Freed was an effective altruism evangelist, eva evangelist pledging to give away most of his 26 billion fortune. It might have ultimately caused his downfall. So here's one of these articles that I was telling you about. I've been reading quite a few and every article has a slant. So I'm always looking for that slant and where they're coming from. Um, at, at From what angle they're coming from it from. And I don't. It's it's important to read all these articles, whether you agree with them or not, because it gives you a broader perspective and you can make a more well-rounded opinion after you've done your research. Uh, the sudden collapse of cryptocurrency exchange FTX is still looking like uh, the crypto world as it comes to light that its CEO and founder, Sam Bankman-Fried, used customer funds to cover the company's losses. But it's also turned the philanthropy uh, Thropy world upside down as Bankman Freed has been a major proponent of the effective altruism movement, supporting a wide range of charities focused on the world's most pressing problems. A closer look at how this movement shaped his beliefs might provide an answer to the question on everyone's mind. Is SPF malicious or just an incompetent 30-year-old failed visionary? Why can't he be both? Um, yeah. Let's see, what is effective altruism? Effective altruism is a philosophy and social movement that uses an evidence-based approach to do the most good. Uh, what evidence? We'll get into that in a bit. Its followers prioritize donations that will yield the biggest, um, sorry, this fucking ad right here was throwing me off. It looked like a dildo, but it was lip balm. <laughs> I was like, what the hell is going on here? Um, its followers prioritize donations that will yield the biggest impact for the most people, often donating large amounts of their income to charity. But it's not just about giving money away. It's also a whole way of living and seeing the world that emphasizes that all people's lives should be weighed equally. It's clearly an alternative to the consumer lifestyle that says what you do is earn money to buy a nice house and a nice car. And after a few years, you renovate the house and turn over the car and go to expensive resorts and so on. Peter Singer, one of the key philosophers who influenced the movement, told the Washington Post two years ago. Some proponents believe that ranking, uh, that raking in a big paycheck is ethical if you plan to give most of it away, known as earning to give. William McCaskill, one of the movement's co-founders, pitched Bankman Freed on this exact concept back in 2012 over lunch when SPF was just an MIT undergrad. SPF, who was already on what the New Yorker deemed a righteous path, was sold. 
When he graduated in 2014, he claims he donated about half his salary from his job at quantitative trading firm Jane Street to animal welfare organizations and effective altruism movement building initiatives before moving on to work at McCaskill Center for Effective Altruism. In 2017, Bankman Freed started crypto trading from Alameda Research, recruiting effective altruist friends under the pitch that they could earn a lot of money and then give most of it away. Instead, they reinvested their profits into building their own crypto exchange. FTX was born two years later and SPF soon found himself on the Forbes billionaires list with a net worth peaked at $26.5 billion. God damn. It was all for the good of the world, he argued. I wanted to get rich, not because I like money, but because I wanted to give the money to charity. That's all bullshit because he gave the illusion. And if you see him on interviews, he always wore his little stinky ass gray shirt. Could tell the motherfuckers never lifted weights in his life. Uh, I get the image, the more research that I do on this clown is that all he did was play video games and drank Mountain Dew. And uh, there's a report where he made a $210 million deal while playing a fucking video game. Uh, all while living in the Bahamas in a $30 million mansion. But some of these apologist articles paint him out to be, oh no, he really meant well. He, he was really living up to the part. Bullshit. The evidence shows otherwise. Uh, let's see. Uh, you, pretty, you pretty quickly run out of the reality effective ways to make yourself happier by spending money. Bankman Freed told Bloomberg earlier this year. I don't want a yacht. You fucking liar. Media love to tell the story of how he drove a Toyota Corolla, slept on a beach bag, and had 10 roommates. Albeit they share a penthouse in the Bahamas. And they also allegedly had orgies and banged out video games, banged out each other, drank Mountain Dew and all crazy shit. <laughs> Bankman Freed also established the FTX Foundation, a philanthropic collective that aims to find and support the most effective solutions to the world's most pressing problems. It promised that 1% of its crypto exchange fees would be donated to charities and matched up to $10,000 in user donations per day. Collectively, the foundation and related nonprofits largely funded by Bankman Freed and other FTX executives have donated $190 million to various causes, according to the AP. The end of giving. But FTX's bankruptcy has brought all this charitable giving to an abrupt end. Aww. And some critics blame SBF's subscription to effective altruism as of his downfall. Bullshit. Set on making as much money as he could give away to the world, SBF may have been desperate to cover FTX losses. The company's bankruptcy means planned donations are no longer happening and nonprofits that have received donations from groups backed by Bankman Freed are now in doubt, the AP reported. Either effective altruism encouraged Sam's unethical behavior or provided a convenient rationalization for such actions. Why can't it be both? Tweeted Facebook co-founder and Asana CEO and co-founder Dustin Moskovitz, who also signed the giving pledge and is a supporter of effective altruism. Either is bad. 
Even McCosco, who became an unpaid advisor to the FTX Foundation's future fund, had something to say. Sam and FTX had a lot of goodwill, he wrote in a Twitter thread. And some of that goodwill was a result of association with ideas I have spent my career promoting. If that goodwill laundered fraud, I am ashamed. SBS believes ineffective altruism ultimately shaped his journey toward wealth and success. Whether it was guys or simply good intentions, gone awry is unclear. Awry is unclear. But one thing is certain. Crypto didn't just lose its white knight last week. So did effective altruism. So... We, if again, when you go down this rabbit hole, this effective altruism is bullshit. Uh, this guy was pushing for vaccines, was pushing for the climate change agenda, trans movements, all kinds of shit that is shady as hell. <laughs> Some of these things may. Have a veneer of doing good, but when you go down these rabbit holes, there's so much fraud, there's so much bullshit. Just like I pointed out earlier, all hidden under the guise of philanthropy. It's all a facade, it's all bullshit. So this article is trying to smooth Mr. SBF in a lighter way. And maybe, you know, maybe he wasn't such a bad dude. The dude was a scumbag piece of shit. Um all right, next article, this from the New York Post, written by Ariel Zyber. How World Economic Forum, others are hiding their past ties with FTX. The shocking implosion of the FTX crypto exchange has become an embarrassment for a who's who among global elites, with some issuing mea culpas and others apparently scrambling to hide their ties to its disgraced 30-year-old founder, Sam Bankman-Fried. Web archive sites show that the World Economic Forum, whose glitzy shining in Davos, or D Davos, Switzerland, is a must-attend for billionaires and world leaders each year, had previously listed FTX as one of its partners, touting the Bahamas-based firm as a cryptocurrency exchange built by traders or traders. Bankman Freed also was a speaker at Davos uh, last May alongside luminaries such as Google Financial Chief Ruth Porritt and Bill Winters, CEO of the London based financial giant Standard Chartered. Uh, nevertheless, WEF has since scrubbed any mention of FTX from its website in the days after the crypto exchange filed for bankruptcy. FTX was a World Economic Forum partner. Uh, in light of last week's events, their partnership was suspended and they were removed from the partner section of our website. A spokesperson for the Geneva-based organization headed by Klaus Schwab told the Post on Monday. According to one WFEF uh, insider, Bankman Freed likely landed on the group site because he donated cash to the group. In addition to his upcoming speaking gig. And here is a screenshot. Always got a screenshot. Shout out to all the screenshot pros out there. <laughs> FTX is a cryptocurrency exchange built by traders for traders. 
FTX offers innovative products, including industry first derivatives, options, volatility products, and leveraged tokens. It strives to develop a platform robust enough for professional trading firms and intuitive enough for first time users. That is what the WEF had on its website. Um, World Economic Forum. Uh, all right. I just read that the D the World Economic Forum isn't the only group that has an egg on its face from its cheerleading for FTX and Bankman Freed, whose $16 billion fortune evaporated in a matter of days. A stunning collapse that has elicited comparisons to Lehman Brothers and Enron. Bankman Freed is under federal investigation. Photographs circulated on, over, online over the weekend showing former President Bill Clinton sitting next to Bankman Freed on stage along with former British Prime Minister uh, Tony Blair at an event in the Bahamas this past April. When big financial firms like Sequoia Capital, SoftBank, and BlackRock have revealed FTX losses in public filings, insiders say wealthier individuals bought in privately, typically plowing money into FTX through family offices. Uh, this is like a Madoff situation. Almost everyone in tech and Hollywood invested in this thing. One investor close to FTX told the Post. Now, no one wants to admit it. Just like the Epstein crap and all these other scumbags. Everyone's cool when they're on top. But once their charade is revealed, oh, yeah, yeah, I never liked that guy. I, n I, never, I never thought about him. <laughs> We see it all the time. Uh, one insider told the Post that John or Jan Coom, the Ukrainian billionaire who uh, co-founded WhatsApp and sold it to Facebook for 19 billion in 2014, bought a stake through his family office. Reps for Coom didn't respond to requests for comment. Uh, Twitter users promoted a video over the weekend showing CNBC uh, investing Maven. Uh, Jim Cramer touting Bankman Freed as the J.P. Morgan of his generation. The Post has reached out to Cramer and CNBC seeking comment. And no comment either. <laughs> Kevin O'Leary, the Shark Tank investor who also admitted he has taken a bath on the FTX bet, posted a Mia Copa on his Twitter account over the weekend, telling his nearly 1 million followers, as an investor, you will never get it right every time. You will make some mistakes. Sometimes big ones like FTX. Tom Brader and now ex-wife uh, Giselle Bunchen are among FTX's most recognizable victims. After starring in several TV commercials promoting the crypto exchange, they got an equity stake at FTX's that now is likely worthless. Golden State Warriors basketball Steph Curry was also given an equity stake at FTX. Uh, Curry, Brady, and Bunchen were not immediately available for comments. People are embarrassed that they uh, invested with these frauds. We are thrilled to welcome FTX as Salt's premier global partner and to launch Crypto Bahamas. Sam and the FTX team are building the most important company in crypto and the financial industry more broadly, Scaramucci said at the time. The Salt Crypto Bahamas conference included the now infamous scene in which Bankman Freed shared the stage with Supermodel Bunchin to talk about sustainability practices within the crypto sector. As Bankman Freed's estimated fortune ballooned as high as $26 billion during the pandemic era, 
cryptocurrency boom, the FTX founder used its windfall to cultivate cozy relations in the media. Uh, next article. Here's a little quick one. Just showing the ties with the Democratic Party. This from the New York Post as well by Miranda Devine. Cryptocurrency billionaire broke the bank for the Dems. Amid all the jubilation and gloating by Joe Biden, Chuck Schumer and pals over the Democrats' better-than-expected showing in the midterms comes a disturbing story that may explain something about how they won such a curious election. Biden's second biggest donor, cryptocurrency billionaire Wonderkind Sam Bankman-Fried, aka SBF, saw his business file for bankruptcy days after the election, but not before pumping $40 million into the Democratic Party to spend on get out the vote and other shadowy ballot harvesting mechanisms for the midterms. The shambolic 30-year-old whiz kid, once said to have been worth $16 billion, had spent $10 million helping get Biden elected in 2020. SBS mother, uh, Stanford law professor Barbara Freed, also is co-founder of left-wing political action committee Mind the Gap, which has raised a reported $140 million to help Democrats win elections through the same get-out-the-vote grift. A more unlikely billionaire you could not find, and of course his money was built on out of thin air. A math genius with poor social skills, SBF reportedly lived in a polycule, a polyamorous relationship with multiple people in a luxury penthouse with about 10 co-workers in the tax haven of the Bahamas where his collapsed crypto exchange FTX was headquartered. Otherwise, he was sleeping on beanbags with his office. Here we go, eating vegan fries. So these guys are pushing that little narrative that he was living like a bum. But uh, let me show you this video. It's it's going to be about four minutes, but this guy does a great, great um, job in in just a few minutes breaking down the whole scandal and then we'll come back. Well, let me put make sure it has volume. God damn it. Not a says. Let's get into this in the shortest and simplest manner possible. Sam Bankman-Fried, who is otherwise known as SBF, is the co-founder of cryptocurrency exchange FTX. He also owns another company called Alameda Research, which is his trading company. So what you have to understand here is he owns the exchange, the cryptocurrency exchange, and he owns basically a hedge fund that does trading and tries to profit off of cryptocurrencies. This is where the major conflict exists. So what would happen is consumers would come at one point, up to a million consumers would come and they would put their cryptocurrencies onto the exchange with the expectation that FTX would hold the funds for them until they needed them. Now, this is no different than say having a real estate transaction where you have a bunch of money from the sale of a property, it goes into the trust fund at the lawyers and it is held there safely until it can be released to you or until you want it. But where everything goes wrong is when somebody dips into that trust fund and funds disappear because all of the funds that are in a trust fund are designated to specific individuals or specific entities. So if money were to get taken out of that trust fund, that money belongs to somebody. And if it isn't given to the people that it belongs to, then the money's no longer there and we have a problem. And in real estate and legal transactions, this becomes a major problem. In fact, there are many lawyers who have gone to jail for doing exactly this, taking money out of a trust fund and using it for purposes other than what it's meant for. Well, in the case of FTX, they aren't necessarily a trust fund, but their terms of service stated that any cryptocurrencies that were put into the exchange would not be lent to anybody. They would not be removed from the exchange. They would be there for whoever had placed them there to begin with. Now, there's a whole bunch of issues surrounding FTT and their own token that they could pretty much print out of thin air. And the fact that FTX's, the exchange's sister company, Alameda, had a significant amount of their assets in FTT 
USDT, the cryptocurrency that FTX created, which is problematic in its own right, considering that the two companies are related. And there's even further issues in the fact that consumers were incentivized to use the FTT token, which again was a token that FTX pretty much printed out of thin air and subsequently created a scenario where FTX seemed to be basically printing their own money, which is obviously problematic. Now, this relationship between Alameda and FTX and the fact that Alameda owns so much of the FTT token was reported by Coinbase on November 2nd. This led another cryptocurrency exchange, Binance, to suggest that they were going to sell up to $600 million worth of the token given the perceived conflict of interest with Alameda owning so much of the FTT token. Now, this is where the problem started because that led essentially to a run on the bank with many people trying to sell their FTT tokens knowing that Binance was trying to get out as well. But guess what happened? The money wasn't there. The cryptocurrencies that they believed to be in safe storage had disappeared. And the reason why it turns out is because FTX had lent up to $10 billion worth of cryptocurrencies to their sister company, Alameda, even though this was against the terms of service and just morally incomprehensible. Now that revelation led to uncertainty with respect to the future of FTX, which led Binance to step in and offer to buy FTX in order to save it, knowing that they still had 600 billion worth of FTX's cryptocurrency that they would have to somehow offload. So rather than seeing FTX fail, they stepped in and decided that they were going to try to help and purchase the company. But upon doing some due diligence, they decided not to. Now, Binance has not said why they chose not to purchase FTX, but I can only imagine that it's because the cryptocurrencies that people believed to be in the exchange were no longer there. And seeing that they were no longer there and realizing the significant amount of liability that would come along with the purchase, they stepped away from their offer to purchase the company. Now, that led SBF to go out and try to find a whole bunch of funds. Obviously, that was not happening because at this point, FTX was toxic to pretty much every investor on the planet. Nobody in their right mind would put money into it, which led on November 11th, the company to file for bankruptcy. Now, as this was happening, another one to two billion dollars in cryptocurrencies disappeared from the exchange. Some have suggested that this is due to foul play. Some have suggested that hackers took the funds. Regardless, another two billion dollars were wiped out. So now as of November 13th, John J. Ray III, the guy who was responsible for dismantling Enron after it went bankrupt, has taken over FTX. And while I'm guessing given his history, you pretty much know where this story is headed. Well, there you go. Great, uh, coverage by that gentleman regarding the whole scandal in just a few minutes there was another uh youtube channel cold fusion they did a 30 minute uh it's this video right here obviously i'm not gonna play it uh if you want a comprehensive look at everything from the political affiliations to the effect of altruism in 30 minutes i definitely recommend this video right here it's by cold fusion on youtube and the uh the title of the video is the ftx disaster is deeper than you think it's about 30 minutes long it covers it pretty pretty good in in, in many many damn details and um some of it i'm like damn this is on youtube because <laughs> he doesn't shy away he goes pretty he goes down deep and did a damn great job so that's another one if you're interested uh i already spent a few minutes covering several articles here and we still got more articles so that in a nutshell is the ftx thing and i tried to do my best in covering it it's just it's a huge huge giant rabbit hole and there's so many ways i'm gonna try to get a guest that is knowledgeable on the whole situation so we could have a podcast on it because it's truly truly fascinating uh like i said at the very beginning you could truly make a movie with all the moving parts i mean here's a bunch of nerds drinking mountain dew playing video games tapping each other's asses pulling 200 million dollar uh 
Ponzi schemes, donating with the Ukraine, investing in it, and then the Democratic Party getting all kinds of money from them. And it's just a huge, huge money laundering Ponzi scheme. There's no other way to put it. You can see all these articles trying to massage it away from that narrative. But if you look at it objectively, that's exactly what it was. It's fucking bananas. And how this guy hasn't been arrested yet is beyond me. I don't know if they're trying to make a strong case before moving in and finally arresting him or what they're waiting for. But I mean, there's no fucking question. This guy was a complete scumbag that should be behind bars. All right. To the next article, how the Biden White House scrambled for a Poland missile blast. So earlier in the week, we heard reports that a missile had landed in Poland and immediately a lot of people started panicking that World War Three was imminent and shit was going down. I was like, oh shit, what the hell is going on? And I'm always on alert for false flags and this has all the makings of a failed false flag attempt. Let's read this article. This is by Steve Holland and Phil Stewart on Reuters. How the Biden White House scrambled after Poland missile blast. Washington. President Joe Biden has been adamant that the United States will back Ukraine in its nine-month fight to repel a Russian invasion, but he has insisted we will not fight the Third World War in Ukraine. So when a missile struck a village in Poland near the Ukraine border on November 15 and there was early claims it was launched by Russia, he and his top team of advisors were jolted into crisis mode. The United States and other NATO nations would be obliged to defend fellow NATO member Poland militarily if it were a Russian attack, a situation that could escalate into the global war most wanted to avoid. Biden, in the waning days of a week-long Asia trip, was woken up by aides in the middle of the night in Bali, Indonesia, to let him know that a missile had killed two people in Poland, a U.S. official said. Ukrainian officials publicly blamed Russia, as did a since-corrected Associated Press report, citing an unnamed senior U.S. intelligence official. The report sent stock markets diving and officials scrambling. Eastern European countries responded angrily and the temperature rose. Preliminary information from the U.S. sources indicated that Ukraine may have fired the missile in an attempt to repel a blizzard of incoming Russian missiles and it had accidentally landed in Poland. What a bullshit explanation. As they sought confirmation, the White House and other U.S. agencies publicly said little. We cannot confirm the reports or any other details at this time. We will determine what happened and what appropriate next steps would be said White House spokesperson Adrian Watson. Behind the scenes, Deputy Secretary of State Wendy Sherman was reaching out to some foreign diplomats and asking them to adopt a cautious approach and to be measured while the United States worked out how it would respond. Western diplomats told Reuters. Blinked by Secretary of State Anthony Blinken and National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan and wearing a t-shirt and khakis, Biden made an early morning call to Polish President Andrzej Duda offering his condolences and support for an investigation, the White House said. Some Moscow communication failed. As tensions simmered, the European allies fretted the U.S. military tried to reach out to Moscow. Uh, the Pentagon has stressed the importance of military-to-military -military communication with Moscow during the nine-month-long Ukrainian war. For instance, the White House had 
has had talks with Russia about its threats to use nuclear weapons against Ukraine. And top defense officials spoke with their Russian counterparts in October after Moscow accused Ukraine of planning a dirty bomb attack. But at the Pentagon on Tuesday, efforts to contact Russia's military failed. General Mark Milley, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, said his staff tried to arrange a call with his Russian counterpart, Chief General Staff General Valery Gerasimov. Some attempts were made, no success, Milley told reporters. My staff was unsuccessful in getting me linked up with General uh, Gerasimov, he said. Sullivan, who has been in touch with Russian officials about the risks about around Ukraine invasion, did not make contact in relation to this incident, a White House official said. CIA Director Bill Burns, who met with his Russian counterparts at the Russian intelligence agency SVR in Ankara on Monday, was in Kiev on Tuesday, the day the missiles hit Poland and traveled to Warsaw the next day. A U.S. official said that in Ukraine, uh, sorry. A U.S. official said that in Ukraine, Burns discussed the U.S. warning he delivered to the head of Russia's SVR not to use nuclear weapons and reinforced the U.S. commitment to provide support to Ukraine in its fight against Russian aggression. The U.S. official said Burns met with officials in Poland and discussed the current situation, but would not comment when asked whether Burns had re reconnected with SVR after the Poland incident. A Kremlin spokesperson person said he did not know if Russian channels with the United States were activated to prevent further escalation, but noted that the American reaction was restrained. Investigation. Biden and his aides convened on an emergency meeting of G7 leaders at 9 a.m. Wednesday morning in Bali to discuss the incident, where he told them that the United States had learned that the blast was caused by a Ukrainian air defense missile. He was a little more vague answering reporters' questions after the meeting, saying it was unlikely that the missile was fired from Russia based on its trajectory. Later, NATO Secretary General said the blast was likely caused by a Ukrainian air defense missile that went astray, but that Russia was ultimately responsible because it started the war. <laughs> so here... They're clearly saying it wasn't Russia, it was the damn Ukrainians, but somehow it's still Russia's fault. Okay. Okay, Boomer. Uh, Poland has been conducting its own investigation into what happened. The U.S. military has sent American explosives ex experts to the site to help with the probe at Poland's request, a U.S. official said. The official said the investigation is expected to conclude fairly quickly that Ukraine fired the missile. It's not just a matter of doing forensics work to determine what kind of missile it was, the official said. They should also release whether it was done on intentional or not, because for the Ukrainians to launch this shit and then pin it on Russia, knowing damn well that it could lead to World War III is a huge offense. And it's not just a simple little mistake. Um... It's a massive story, but uh, I'm sure when they do their investigation, no wrongdoing, no harm, no foul. Just like we seem to see time and time and again. <laughs> um, all right. So. To our next article. Maxwell back in the news in fluff pieces. This time. 
on the Daily Mail, written by Ben Ashford. Exclusive mispopularity. Glenn Maxwell's life behind bars is hardly bleak as the sought-after socialite strolls with a prison pal, is chosen to lead the battle of the units checkers competition, and guides inmates to the best romance books in the library. Wow! <laughs> oh, shit. <coughs> Goddamn. Um, and then they have all these goddamn pictures on this website. It's ridiculous. So let's get to it. All right. Insiders say Maxwell has used her privilege of bringing to boost her popularity among 755 strong female population, drawing on her Oxford University education and literary savviness to recommend novels and history books. In fact, cellmates in Unit B South link the British heiress to is so smart they recently nominated Maxwell to represent them in a checkers competition, part of an Olympic-style Battle of the Units tournament held annually. There's everything from kickball to hula hoop, but she was selected for the 40 and over checkers, dished an insider. <laughs> you want the best players, and she has a reputation for being smart. The winning unit gets a really good meal, chicken wings, pizza, that sort of thing. It's a much better than usual food. It's a big deal. Nobody cares what you're in for as long as you win. Maxwell, daughter of disgraced UK newspaper magnate Robert Maxwell, was convicted in December 2021 on five counts of grooming minors for longtime confidential Epstein, who hanged himself in 2019. So let's let's go over this shit. She was convicted for grooming minors, and the judge blocked the list of these procurers of these minors we still don't know who the client list is and he hung himself in 2019 is alleged as forensic evidence has shown that not to be the case and some people even question if he is even dead so that's not a matter of fact uh sorry let's move on to the article after two years locked up at the Fortress Lake Metropolitan Detention Center in New York, where she complained of maggot-infested meals and inhumane treatment, or thing, Maxwell was expected to serve her time in Federal Correctional Institute, FCI Danbury, the Connecticut prison that inspired Orange is the New Black. But without explanation, she was instead shipped 1,000 miles south in late July to the Sunshine State, where Warped Epstein abused uh, many of his victims at his Palm Beach mansion. Um, I, I, I'm just finding out that she was in Tallahassee. Tallahassee is in the panhandle of Florida. If you're familiar with the state of Florida, that's where Tallahassee, West Palm Beach is on the Atlantic coast of Florida. Uh, but interesting that she's in Tallahassee. Potentially, Max was home until July 17, 2037. Is surrounded by a maze of 30-foot fences and cameras, but the elegant red brick building behind the rows of jagged razor wire looks more akin to a high school or college campus. The notorious madame was tearful and withdrawn when she first arrived, refusing to eat and complaining bitterly to prison authorities that her clothes didn't fit. But, to her, but four months in, inmate... 02879509 has taken up several fun new hobbies, made friends, and come out of her shell 
an insider told the dailymail.com so with all these puff pieces fluff pieces again this is my opinion but uh you we're gonna keep hearing these stories oh maxwell is a model prisoner and blah 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 and uh the real questions the real shit that we really want to know is who was on that goddamn client list a list that is being protected by the government through the courts for what reason if there's nothing to hide why can't we know who these goddamn pedophiles were that's a question that i'm asking and many others are so when i see these fluff pieces yeah i'll read them it's interesting i've been following the case for a long time now but uh you got to keep that in the back of your mind they still haven't released the client list and they won't however a little bit of good news did come out this week as well this is from the dailymail.com written by daniel bates Dozens of court docs relating to eight of pedophile Jeff Epstein's associates, including billionaire hotel magnate and female Brit, will be unsealed after judge rules public interest outweighs right to privacy. Bam. Now that's a good judge right there. Hell yeah. Shout out to that judge. Because the Maxwell judge, on the other hand, did not do this. And we already know how she got a kickback through the Biden administration. Um, to see this, it's a little bit of a good news and important story to read. And you haven't seen too much noise about this, so kudos to the Daily Mail on this at least. Uh, let's see. Dozens of court documents relating to Jeff Epstein's associates, including a billionaire businessman, will be made public after a judge ruled the public interest outweighs the right to privacy. Judge Loretta Preska on Friday ruled that the material concerning eight people should be unsealed despite one subject claiming it could be wrongfully it could wrongfully harm his privacy and reputation. Well shit, you shouldn't have been fucking around with that crowd, you fucking clown, pedophile piece of shit. Among those whose names are mentioned in the documents are a British woman, Ghislaine Maxwell's former personal assistant, who was accused of taking part in the sexual abuse of minors. Judge Preska overrode objections from Tom Pritzker, the billionaire executive chairman of the Hyatt Hotels, and ordered material related to him to be made public. This is the first time I'm hearing about this guy from Hyatt Hotels being involved in this whole Epstein debacle. I will no longer be staying at any Hyatt hotels in the future. Uh, I will definitely be boycotting that piece of shit hotel chain. The documents are part of a defamation case brought against Maxwell by accuser Virginia Roberts Jufre in 2016 that was later settled. The trovo material has been released on a rolling basis after with the first set coming in 2019 two days before epstein allegedly killed himself after numerous requests from media organizations a total of 16 non-party does objected to the release of the files being made public and the first set of eight 
have already been dealt with by the federal court in New York. The latest batch related, related to the remaining eight referred to as does 12, 28, 97, 107, 144, 147, 171, and 183. Judge Preska said that much of the purportedly sensitive information had already been made public last year during Maxwell's trial for trafficking underage girls to Epstein, which led to her being jailed for 20 years. Again, the client list was never made public. We still don't know what that is. Uh, it goes on. She ran through dozens of documents and ordered them to be unsealed. They included material related to the British woman who had strongly denied any wrongdoing in relation for her work for Maxwell. She filed a lawsuit against Miami Herald jur journalist Julie Brown in July about her book on the Epstein scandal. Judge Preska noted that the lawsuit repeated some of the allegedly defamatory statements made in the book and that the woman has been referred to in other publicly available material. This document will be unsealed, Judge Preska said. Documents related to Doe 183 were to be made public as they have been the subject of intense media coverage and cropped up in Maxwell's trial. However, Judge Preska put a stay on the release of material to November 28th so that Doe could appeal if they wanted. <laughs> Doe, 107, Doe 107 claimed that unsealing their material would connect them to the Epstein and unnecessarily invite their, invade their privacy again. Who gives a shit? Judge Prescott disagreed and ordered their material unsealed, noting that the public's right to Access outweighs any generalized concerns about privacy, and the material was not particularly salacious. In his submission to the court, Pritzker claimed it would wrongfully harm his privacy and reputation if material related to him was made public. But Judge Preska said there was no basis for keeping the material under seal, adding that it was just a fleeting mention. Judge Preska did make some concessions to the objectors. She said certain details contained within certain documents that are not public, objecting those have set forth a sufficient interest to pres preserve sealing. Documents related to Doe 12 remain sealed as Judge Preska said they were a classic outsider. Doe 12 is a peripheral to the events at issue and is neither a victim no not associated with Epstein or Maxwell. Documents relating to Doe 28 will remain sealed as they are a victim of sexual assault who continues to experience trauma as a result of these events. But material related to Doe 147, who Judge Prescott identified as Epstein victim Sarah Ransom, should be unsealed. Judge Prescott said that Ransom was a victim of sexual trauma and abuse by Epstein and Maxwell, but she testified public publicly at Maxwell's sentencing. She published a book about her experience and wrote an op-ed in Washington Post about it. Judge Preska noted that Ransom had put herself out onto the public forum relating to these issues. The judge did not set a timeline for when the material would be made public, but it will likely be weeks away. Unlike with previous batches of documents, Maxwell did not oppose them and made no representation to the court. Among revelations in the documents, already made public were two depositions given by Maxwell in 2016 as part of the defamation case. Over seven hours, Maxwell was questioned about everything from her sex life to her relationship with Andrew and Epstein.
At one point, she denied keeping a laundry basket of sex toys at Epstein's mansion in Palm Beach, Florida. Maxwell was asked about having a three-way sexual massages with Epstein and his sexual idiosyncrasies. I'm not sure if that's how you say the word, such as nipple pinching. What the fuck? When asked if she ever provided Roberts with schoolgirl outfits for her to wear with a massage, Maxwell responded, I have no idea what you're talking about. It sounds like the Atwood Cali Diamond shit. Go to Odyssey for my video on that shit. <laughs> Elsewhere in the deposition, Maxwell called Jeffrey an awful fantasist and at one point she became so angry she banged her hand on the table among the other material already unsealed was robert's draft of her memoir which detailed how she was blown around the world by epstein and loaned out to his powerful friends she detailed how she was forced to have sex with andrew in london when she was 17 and Epstein's New York mansion and his private island in the Caribbean earlier this year the Duke settled a civil lawsuit brought by Roberts for a reported 12 million I've seen figures of 20 million and it could be as high as 100 million so a little bit of inconsistencies I've been finding and again you find these inconsistencies when you are you delve into these cases and you follow them pretty close um all right, so to our last article. <sighs> to the last article. Couldn't find a funny one, but uh, this one will have to do. This is from the Associated Press, November 12, 22. Claim of a new world record for longest beard chain in Wyoming. And... In the picture, we have a couple of, a few uh, dudes with long ass beards and shit kind of grosses me out. I've grown my beard pretty long myself. <laughs> you get food, it gets crusty, it gets nasty, it smells like ass. Uh, and maybe after you, nah, I better not go there. <laughs> I'm just saying. These things stink, man, and these guys have their glorious beards tied up like a chain. In Casper, Wyoming, facial hair enthusiasts claim to have set a new world record for longest beard chain during an event in Wyoming on Friday, the Casper Star Tribune reports. Participants gathered at a Gaslight Social, a bar in Casper where they stood side by side and clipped their beards together. Uh to create a hairy chain that was measured at 150 feet long. God damn. According to the newspaper, that's more than double the Guinness world record of 62 feet, six inches set in Germany in 2007 to participate. People needed to sport a beard at least eight inches long. According to the star tribune, <laughs> the event occurred on the sidelines of the national beard and mustache championships which took place Saturday at the city's Ford Wyoming center. <laughs> God damn it. Um, and so we now sadly enough come to the end of our show. Let's see. Come to the end of our show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. 
make sure you hit those like buttons please it helps the algorithm uh please like and share if you follow me on twitter twitter is right there on the thumbnail make sure you like and retweet that helps spread the algorithm out only a couple of you guys ever tweet and shout out to all you guys that really do you guys i love you guys to death um but uh just a reminder i may not be doing a show next week we have uh thanksgiving but on november the 30th i will be having a podcast with dr andrew kaufman that is gonna be an epic podcast i'm gonna do it live here on uh on rockfin it will be 10 a.m eastern which will be 11 12 1 2 3 3 o'clock uk time you will not want to miss it we'll be on a wednesday and it is gonna be a fire ass podcast make sure you don't miss it make sure you're following it and uh much love and um hugs and kisses to all hope you guys enjoyed the show and again i i apologize i my i know my throat was feeling a little a little wonky if you will but uh we made it happen. Um... All right, y'all. Much love. <laughs>